This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest instalment of Total Saints Podcast, your weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. All things Saints means zero mention from here on of anything to do with 30-year waits and flipping perches. Alongside me again, fresh from just watching Saints versus Watford, literally, are Steve and Glenn. Evening, chaps. How you doing? Boyd after that, no doubt? Evening. Very much so. Yeah, yes. pretty good, wasn't it? It was, it was. I, I've just, I was just saying to you offline now, I've just literally managed to bath the kids in record time, update my notes so I can ask you some intelligent questions. But yeah, we're literally recording about an hour after the game, so I think we're all in quite high spirits. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was slightly unnervingly easy, I thought, <laughs> given, given the, the sort of games that Watford have given us over the years. Mm. Um, if I was a Watford fan, I would be absolutely bricking it. Mm. Um, I mean, they are fortunate that obviously they're still fifth from bottom. Basically, the four below them have also been absolutely abject yeah. in every game so far. There's no redeeming feature for any of the bottom five at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, therefore, the two that are currently sitting above the dotted line, Watford and West Ham, yeah. are basically playing with fire. Because um, it, it's only going to take um, Bournemouth to do what they've what they've done every season so far. And somehow, from, from looking like absolute no-hopers, suddenly picking up a couple of wins against teams that you wouldn't expect them to beat. And mm. all of a sudden, those two sides, who have been stable since they, since they came back up, they, neither of those two teams have been in any danger of going down sort of this late in the season um, in recent years. Yeah. But both, both of them are, are, in, are in deep trouble. It feels kind of nice, Glenn, doesn't it? I mean, obviously we'll come on to talk about the game in a minute and some of the incidents, but 
we can relax, we can enjoy it. We spoke a couple of weeks back about getting a couple of wins and easing our way to the end of the season. And unlike Saints, we can now do that. Yeah, I mean, we talked about, I think you asked me whether we could sort of like look up the table or, or look down. Uh, and before the Norwich game, I was very, very much, you very firmly in the looking down <laughs> camp. But now, yeah, we, we can actually look at having a little run. Um, I couldn't believe it when I saw the table and Sheffield United, who everyone else has been eulogising over all season, are a whole four points ahead of us. Mm. So, and they, you know, they seem to have hit the wall. So there is something to play for, yeah. which, which, which is good. And I, I think that's what, uh, and I think Ralph is the sort of manager that will will get the players to aim for that and not just cruise to the end of the season. Well, we say we say that, but then look at what happened last season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, it's a good when position we got to be in. For pretty much this point, and then just died on our ass with with a set of winnable fixtures as yeah. well at that point as well. Yeah. yeah, but I think we could have we could have we certainly could have been tempted to do that after the Norwich game. Today we looked as up for it as we have any game this season. Um, Possibly a reaction to the Arsenal debacle, mm. um, which we'll touch on, I'm sure. But um, yeah, but we, or maybe not. Maybe we'll ignore it. Maybe we should have a <laughs> podcast after a away game. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a good performance today. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Well, I do feel a little bit like Dan Sheldon here. It's a, a tight turnaround tonight. Obviously, recording Sunday night ahead of getting this out tomorrow morning, uh, Monday morning, but we'll do it. Um, on this week's episode, then, of course, we'll focus on the scintillating, committed, and professional 3 1 win versus Watford. We'll also, fairly briefly, for various reasons, touch on the Saints next game back at St Mary's insert high pitch screaming versus Man City insert some more high pitch screaming sandwiched in the middle of all that we'll hear from Jamie Clark one of the PR gurus at Virgin Media on a couple of great initiatives they've been working on in partnership with Saints fans during lockdown so in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs this is TSP 121 I'd really love a hot tub but I don't know where to start how easy is the process it's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. Saints' latest game was at Watford, where the lads pulled off a brilliant 3-1 win, meaning we can totally breeze past Arsenal in this episode. Glenn, look, five <laughs> changes, Glenn, obviously. Um, Carl Walker-Peters came in, Vestergaard, Romeo, Smallbone, Shane Long. Um, I think by the end of the game, myself, probably many Saints fans, were kind of reiterating to ourselves that when we're bad, we're awful, but when we're good, we're brilliant. Yeah, um, I mean, some of the changes were enforced. It would be interesting to know whether Ralph would have made those changes um, if he didn't have to. I thought that Romeo and Vestergaard gave you two more functional players. They they don't they don't try and play pretty football. They're not you know if the ball's in Vestergaard's vicinity, he's either going to head it or whack it up the pitch. Yeah. He's not going to mess around with it and get caught with it. He might not. He can't run, obviously. But I thought having those two in the side instead of Hoiberg and Stevens gave us just a little bit more of a of a harder edge. And after the goals we gave away in the Arsenal game. It was nice to see us taking less chances at the back. Um, Carl Walker-Peters was superb. Mm. Um, you know, we we had four defenders for once in, instead of instead of three and someone who looked absolutely terrified. So yeah. he he was excellent. Um, I didn't think he had that in him. Um, I think I've said before, I, I didn't really see him as a, as a long-term option. Um, and maybe... 
you know, maybe he's not because it's Tottenham and Daniel Levy and, you know, they'll, they'll want too much money and all that stuff. But he did have a very good game today. Um, so I, I was, I was impressed and it was a bit like Norwich in that we could only beat what was in front of yeah. us. But unlike Norwich, I think Norwich are just genuinely bad. I don't think Watford are that bad, but we made them look bad mm. because we we forced their defence to try and play out and they're not good enough um, to do that. They just get lumping the ball. Vestergaard and Bednarek headed everything and they, they didn't seem to have any sort of plan B whatsoever. Um, so it was comfortable. Yeah. Obviously, we'll come on to talk about some of the, the goals and incidents in a minute, Glenn. But just just briefly on Yannick Vestergaard, he hasn't played a lot. Um, I just saw a really interesting stat here uh, that Scott Winter put on uh, Twitter that I just retweeted from our um, social media account. Um, Vestergaard, oh, this is going to be the same. This is be the same stat that I was about to quote. That's yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I stole your thunder there. <laughs> no, carry But uh, yeah. So yeah. So Yannick Vestergaard then, um, Glenn. Um, he was involved in 21 aerial duels with Troy Deeney today. How many of those do you reckon Troy Deeney won? Uh. About three. Four, yeah. So Vestergaard, 17. Troy Deeney, four. I mean, that sums up the sort of performance. And you you called it out uh, to me, actually, or, or to the group on uh, Twitter a couple of days back and said, actually, having him up there may not be a bad shout. Yeah, well, Watford, are, they're a direct team. And when, when Deeney plays, that's the way they play. And that's that's their plan, eh? Um, Nigel Pearson is, is a you know, he's known for being quite a direct sort of guy when it comes to, the, you know, the style of football that his teams play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Vestergaard, he started the game. He actually headed a couple straight up in the air and all they came off, came off the corner of his head and went sideways sort of thing. Um, but as, as the game went on, obviously when he got into it a little bit more, bearing in mind he hasn't played for a long time, mm. um, he was good. And what I like about the guy is that he, he can get his head up and pass the ball. He plays a good ball into midfield. It's just... You know, against the, against the team with with quick strikers, you just and you can't push up with him in the team because leaving space behind him is just it's just deadly. But today he had a great game and and he couldn't he couldn't have done more. Mm. I mean, I'd hesitate to throw Vestergaard in against Manchester City, but we we might not have much choice. Mm, yeah, Steve, what did you make of them? I mean, obviously Romeo and Vestergaard, I think particularly for players that haven't played that regularly, as Glenn said there, you know, battlers that gave the side a real sort of physical edge almost. Yeah, I thought they thought they were both both excellent in terms of what they needed to do. The um I mean as you say, Vestergaard won every header. Um not quite sure what his stats were in terms of interceptions and, and things like that, because I think that gets overlooked a little yeah. bit. He's he's quite good at sort of sticking his dangly leg in front of a striker and, and just and, and and just nicking the ball just before him. Mm. Um but yeah, him him and Romeo were um were very good. But I mean, it's one of those. Do you change a winning team? I Potentially, because they're safe. You know, you now look at look at players like Vestergaard, you know, and think, well, let's give him a run of three, four games and see what he's like till the end of the season, then make a decision on him longer term. Potentially. In recent yeah. games against City, we've played five at the back. Yeah. You know, we've played sort of five-four-one, and and we've been defending the edge of our box, which suits Vestergaard. So if Stevens is available, I would imagine all three will play. Yeah, Steve, we'll come on to talk about Danny Ings in a minute, but the magical, in inverted commas, 40 points now achieved. Um, also, a club record eighth Premier League away win. So, some effort that by Ralph and the lads. Yeah, I mean, away, away from home, we're, we've said this countless times this season and last season, really, that we seem to be a completely different team. Um, just the the confidence in the game plan seems to be just worlds apart. Yeah, And, I mean, Ralph's big job over the next probably a year or so I, I would say is to work out which bits of the away form the away sort of setup can be replicated at home particularly against um teams that defend deep because i mean even even arsenal came on thursday and their defense was not 
had absolutely no intention of pushing up and giving us uh, space in behind for us to put the put the balls into the channels to run onto. Yeah. Um, because they they know their limitations, and they know our strengths. Um, they know that they're pretty poor at the back. Um, and therefore they dropped they dropped another 10 20 yards make sure we we couldn't get those uh, those balls into the channel for long and and redmond in particular to uh, to run onto yeah. and we need to we need to come up with a way to counteract that sort of thing and to do it at, at a bit more um sort of a bit more pace which makes it makes it harder um i think thursday well i don't think we were as bad as a lot of people made out mm. particularly second half um it was just the pace of it I think it um a lot of the time I mean I know I know it was like 33 degrees or whatever it was um but at times there was I don't think it was a lack of urgency it was just energy conservation because yeah. you obviously needed to in that in those conditions that made it an awful lot easier to defend against mm. um I mean despite that we still created a lot of presentable chances and so I think we I mean to be honest we should have had, should have taken something from that game but I mean you make the sort of mistakes that that we did and you going to struggle to win any games yeah totally I think that was the one thing about today's game Steve is that defensively you know Watford have have got a decent sort of attacking front three potentially Pereira Dini and uh, obviously Saar but we didn't really let them I mean Dini hardly got a kick in the game you could tell he was getting frustrated they actually marshaled them really well and they you know considering those four haven't necessarily played together that much this season they look really well organized as well yeah, I mean, Watford have had, um, over the first part of the season, they had quite a few different options up front. Um, and Dini wasn't really getting an awful lot of a look in. But with uh, Delafeu being out for out long term now, all of a sudden they don't have the variety in their attack that they had um, back then. And I think that's probably where Watford all of a sudden now now look a very one-dimensional, predictable team. Yeah. Um, and as a result, any team that actually thinks about it and puts their mind to it and defends sort of in numbers sort of properly, as we did today, um, and as we kind of didn't do in parts on Thursday, then I think you can you can stop that team quite easily. Yeah. And of course, Andre Gray deciding to host a house party this week as well was particularly helpful for us because he's uh, potentially someone that's uh, got a goal or two against us previously. Um, from one striker... Glenn to the other striker at the other end of the pitch. Um, a word on Danny Ings then. 21 goals for the season now, 18 in the Premier League. He's the first player to reach 20 for us since Ricky Lambert in 2011-12. And to be fair to Danny Ings, that was in the Championship. Now scored 10 away goals as well, which is the first in the top flight for Saints uh, since Matt Letizia 93-94. Two great finishes from a truly, you know, as we've spoken about before, top-class player. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like everyone at this point who's listening to this, who at the tail end of last season was, oh, I hope we have a get-out clause and we don't have to buy him. <laughs> Quite uh, right. You know, I, I hope those people are sticking their hands up now and admitting they were they were slightly wrong. Because, Hi. Hi. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to you, Steve. Yeah, he's, he's superb. Um, and... Today I was watching and I was thinking, oh crap, someone's going to come in and try and buy him. I can just see the, I can just see this coming. I didn't think so. Uh, I'd never really thought that, but then I, I looked at it today and I thought, oh my god, he's, he's just, he's just superb at the moment. Um, he seems to be the fittest player on the pitch. Mm. I mean, I half expected him to get left out today because he he played virtually two complete games, um, you know, five days apart or whatever, and then there was another one. Uh, today's one and I, I kind of half expected him to get left out but he looked as fresh as a daisy at the end just superb he's obviously looked after himself got himself really fit yeah um Confidence obviously gives you more adrenaline as well yeah, doesn't it, it? Does, yeah. doesn't it yeah 
Yeah. And he just look, it just, it's, these goals are not coming by accident. These are the goals of a superbly confident player at the moment. And my favorite is, um, slagging off the media for when they, they, you know, they overpraise the sort of players who play for the big clubs. Um, he's better than most of them. Yeah. He, he's better than most of them. Um, at the way he's playing at the moment. And, mm. uh, yeah, long may I continue. I think the, the break is actually, he wasn't actually playing superbly before the break. The little three month off has, has actually done in the world of good. He's got his fitness levels back and he, he looks like he's really enjoying it. So, uh, long may it continue. Totally. Let's, let's not forget as well that for all the, the sort of frustrating things Mark Hughes did, this is a signing that Mark Hughes forced the club to make because it wasn't one that they were necessarily looking at and, uh, and or analyzing and things like that. So actually that was probably one of the best things that Mark Hughes ever did for Saints. But, you know, I'm sure some people will think I'm mad, Steve, but if someone wants to buy Danny Ings now, you've got to be looking at 80 to 100 million this summer, haven't you? I mean, ultimately, it's it comes down to us being strong enough to um, kind of withhold the sort of mediocre type bids that you might sort of ordinarily expect. Mm. I mean, something in the sort of 40 million isn't I mean, that's that's of no interest to anybody, surely, because what is it double what we what we paid for him? Yeah, fine. But we're not going to be able to find a replacement for that money. And there are there are a lot of players that we've sold that we've still not replaced properly, as we as we've we've discussed before. But I think just the volume of goals you've just got to say no to no to anything the number doesn't really matter in in that sense i think it's the for once it's the perception rather than the actual action ultimately glenn you know we need to be building a team around danny ings next season don't we Absolutely. and ralph will know that and, and surely the club will know that and support him and as steve says there whatever happens over the summer you know we know he's a local lad we know he's going to be happy the answer is no yeah, it's got to be i mean a while ago we were thinking well we you know we're all right now because we haven't got any players that anyone else would want <laughs> But all of a sudden we have. I don't really want to think in those terms. I just, you know, I just think about we've got this was excellent player. I'm not having a go at Steve here, but, you know, if he hadn't signed at the start of the season, we would probably be near the bottom this year. So stats if we'd, have been, yeah, if yeah. we'd have been relying on the other three strikers that we've got, we would have been struggling this year without a doubt. Yeah. So he is the difference between us being where we are and us being where Bournemouth are. It's that simple, and if you've got a player like that, you've got to move heaven and earth to make sure that you, yeah, like you say, you do build your team around him. The fact that he is local, the mm. fact that he has already been at a big club and it didn't work out for one reason or another, hopefully that means he stays. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think I'll be honest and say that I wouldn't have expected him to hit 20-plus goals this season if he did. You know, I was keen for him to sign, obviously, but I think supporting Steve and I'm sure many others, I don't think many of us thought he'd be as uh, hot as he has been. But look, one of the other things uh, we were talking about just before we got going was... Um, the goals kind of came at the right time for Saints today, Steve. You know, they, they obviously had a first sort of decent 10, 15 minutes. They then scored. Watford had a bit of pressure after half time. Then, of course, Foster obviously gave that gift to, to Danny Ings. Then, of course, Watford pulled one back and you thought, oh, here we go. Typical Saints. But then Prousey obviously banged in a fabulous free kick and all the goals kind of felt like they came at the right time for Saints that the pressure was on and then they instantly almost turned it off. Yeah. I mean, that Prousey free kick, as soon as that went in, it was obviously going to be game over. Though they'd not created anything. Um, I mean, it was a a great ball into the box for the which forced the own goal. I mean, Bednarek's got a challenge for it because Danny Welbeck is stood directly behind him with a tap in. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's any fault on on the defender, and I mean, obviously McCarthy can't do anything about it at, at that close range either. So one of those own goals that isn't really an own goal, if you like. It's not a defensive error as such. Um, sometimes you, you just got got to deal with it, but. 
um, yeah, I mean, to basically go down the other end, more or less straight from kickoff on that to um, to make the game safe. I mean, I'm not quite sure what Ben Foster was doing in terms of his positioning. He seemed to basically still be lining lining the wall up from the other post. Yeah, it was a bit strange. <laughs> um, so basically, as soon as well, if you if you get it over the wall, you score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, to be fair, I mean, even, even if Foster had been stood in vaguely the right position, I'm I'm not sure he gets to it, but. Yeah, it just looked looked very strange. Yeah, and Glenn, it was Prousey's first goal for Saints since scoring the winning free kick against Watford at home in November. So obviously an opposition he likes. And hand on heart, I was I was sat there watching it, thinking this is going to go in the back of the net. You know, there's a lot of talk about James Ward Prowse free kick specialist, but let's be honest, the guy spends hours and hours and hours practicing this. And I think many Saints fans would have thought, Do you know what, he's got a brilliant chance of banging this in, and he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was very confident as well. I mean, I know that, you know, they're talking about him being a, being a specialist and obviously he is. He takes a number of free kicks. I don't think he actually scores as many as he should. Um, but we, when that one was given today, virtually as soon as the free kick was given, I thought this is going in. It's just, it's just one of, one of those days. And, yeah. and as, as Steve said, Foster seemed to line up his wall and then sort of stand behind the end of it. Mm. Um, because if you, if you look at where the ball goes in the goal, it's nowhere near the corner. It's not, it's not like it's, it's right a good yard, it's, it's yeah. a good yard yeah. inside the post, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's not even up high either. You yeah. know, it's about a foot below the crossbar. So it, it, it's, um, it's a, it's a bit of an odd one from the goalkeeper's point of view, but, uh, who cares? <laughs> totally. And uh, look, I mean, obviously the free kick came, Steve, from a, a good touch around the corner from Che Adams. And I think all of us, certainly again, hand on the heart here, I was willing him to score that chance when uh, obviously it went through Foster's legs and just caught his leg and went wide. I mean, I think that would have you know, almost capped the day, wouldn't it, Che Adams getting a goal? Yeah, definitely. And I think Ralph thought he'd scored as yeah. well, judging by the judging by his his reaction. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to be fair to Foster, it's a good save. Uh, Adams has tried to kind of poke it through his legs because that's... For a lot of keepers, that's probably the hardest place to save a shot. Um, he's just got just got a little bit, little bit of the sort of inside of his sock on it, and mm. it's um, it's done enough. I think he was being being put under pressure by the defender as well, which probably put him off balance a touch. And yeah, it's um, unfortunate, but he he looked he looked very lively in those 15 minutes. I yeah, thought, and did. and that's that's promising because yeah. he's not let the situation kind of get him down there's no sort of slumped shoulders bad um sort of posture and body language and things like that and you could see where after the chance on on the tv red redmond sort of grabbed hold of his chin, chin and, sort of and said, told him to lift it up yeah exactly sort of, yeah, yeah. Sort of chin, chin up lad that sort of thing they, they clearly um, all wanted so, to score don't they so yeah, yep. yeah definitely yeah um so yeah i mean it, I'm sure we'll score before the end of the season. That's my outlandish prediction. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So just finally then, Glenn, on the, the Watford game. I mean, as we sort of said there, so that takes Saints up to 13th. They're on 40 points now. Incredibly, Spurs in 7th. They're on 45 now. Obviously, we've got some tough fixtures around the corner. I'm not wanting to get too ahead. But as you said earlier, we can now literally start looking up the table and think, look, can we grab a few positions here? And as Ralph's mentioned before, you know, that can be a, a few million quid in the kitty towards transfers this summer. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, Many managers, apart from the real top boys, they they look at the league table. They they it's a cliche, but they just look at the next game. And you know the league table looks after itself. If you win enough games, then you you know you finish high in the league. It's Manchester City up next. You know get anything from that? It's a it's a massive bonus, isn't it? Especially with us being at home. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there you go. It gives the players something to aim at. Yeah, it get, it gets more money in, and then maybe that makes the difference between. Uh, Offering Spurs a few more quid for Carl Walker Peters than uh, than we could have done before, you know, if that's what we want to do. Um, you know, there there, there are rumours about sort of players coming in. 
Um, you know, a couple of players from Europe have been linked. Um, any extra money we can get from uh, nicking a couple of positions in the league table is, is obviously going to help towards that. I don't think the stories of us being skint are particularly accurate, but we haven't got loads of money washing around, that's for sure. So uh, as the advertising slogan goes, every little helps. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all in all, another fantastic away day for Saints. Right, ahead of our Man City preview, I'm delighted to say we're once again joined by one of Saints' key sponsors, Virgin Media. Jamie Clark is one of the PR gurus at Virgin Media, and I'm delighted to say that he joins us this week on the episode. Jamie, good to chat again. How you been keeping? Yeah, I've been keeping really well, thank you. Has lockdown kept you busy personally, or has it been sort of largely frustrating working from home? Work-wise, has been quite similar, really. We've been very busy, as we spoke about off-air, just saying about how the industry I work in, in terms of uh, people needing to use their broadband, watch TV, uh, a company like ours has been pretty unaffected by it. Yeah. Um, so I've been very busy um, doing some fun stuff behind the scenes with Southampton, as I'm sure we're going to discuss. Um, but yeah, um, apart from being stuck indoors, especially during the uh, March-April months when it was a bit colder, um, it was a bit more frustrating. And yeah. the fact that there's no food in the shops, um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a bit more of a welcome to go to be able to go back outside again. Indeed, I think it's been a learning curve for all of us the last few months, hasn't it? But uh, I mean, the, the reason you're here is to catch up on some of the initiatives Virgin Media in partnership with Saints have been working on the last few weeks. Um, two of these initiatives have been assisting a couple of Saints with visual impairments and also creating the Virgin Media Super Saints fan wall as well. So let's start with um, Joshua 14 and Florence 10, Jamie, and the Vision Aid Iris Vision project. Tell us a bit about that and how Joshua and Florence, both young Saints fans, of course, got involved. Yeah, so through the Virgin Media partnership um, that we have um, with Southampton, we've always focused on rewarding and celebrating Saints fans um, that go and support the club, you know, week in, week out. And that was the main reason why we launched uh, the most recent campaign, which is our Super Saints campaign, which we started um, last year. Um, we've actually been on the show before to talk about it. Yep. Um, so this year we thought about doing something really fun, engaging with kids. And we just stumbled across this idea or a company, in fact, called VisionAid that provide wearable technology for people with um, visual impairments. We spoke to Samantha and we wanted to work with them in terms of identifying and finding someone who would um, be the recipient of this uh, technology and someone who would really benefit. So this was someone who suffers from any visual impairment, someone who uh, this will impact their daily lives, whether that's just going to school, um, watching anything on TV or, in fact, watching Saints play in the stadium as um, Joshua is. Joshua is a season ticket holder. We were lucky to find him through the club. (laughs) Florence herself plays for the um, Saints Power Academy as well. So she loves her football. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stumbling across these two was just brilliant for us and it was just great to execute the campaign. I caught up with Greg Baker from the Saints Foundation a few weeks back. So obviously Greg was talking a lot about some of the work they'd done and he was quick to say again off air that, you know, this initiative with Florence and Joshua was very much the work of Virgin Media rather than the foundation. But I believe the foundation was sort of involved in at least identifying the guys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We've worked a few times over the last couple of years. We're actually with the Saints Academy. We've worked closely with the community with um we actually had i don't know if you remember you might have seen it on youtube we did the uh the fan prank with um ralph hasenhutl where That's we right. had uh redmond and stevens behind the scenes and they had some school kids coming in which was quite fun it was. Um, we, we also had a, a football club in the community that came into uh Samantha's training training ground at Staplewood as well we gave them a bit of a, a match day experience where they had danny ings um, having a kick about of them which was quite nice so mm. yeah we always try and work with the club with the ideas we have a great relationship with them they're very very helpful behind the scenes with the work we do 
Um, so we wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff if it wasn't for them. Yeah. Uh, just before lockdown, Florence and Joshua got the chance to sort of experience meeting James Ward-Prowse, Jack Stevens, Oriol Mayo in the home dressing room as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So what we what we wanted to do is um, on that day, we, we didn't want to give away too much because we wanted to throw in a nice surprise for both of them. So we, we had the fitting with the glasses just to make sure everything was working fine um, because they knew they were coming to get the glasses. They weren't aware of what was to come in the sense of the players actually surprising them in the change rooms. Yeah. So that happened halfway through the fitting and they actually had their glasses on at the time. So it was brilliant for them to see <laughs> the players in perfect vision, which was great for them. Yeah. Um, the players then gave them a full kit that they were going to be wearing as mascots, which was nice for them to hear. Um, and then they went through some little drills in terms of what would happen on the day when they were mascots. And then to finish off the day, they had a nice kickabout on St. Mary's, which was mm. lovely. And there was a nice moment in the video, which you can see on YouTube, of uh, Joshua nutmegging James Ward-Prowse, which was lo- <laughs> lovely, a lovely time for them. Yeah. And uh, look, I know Virgin Media's um, Chief Operating Officer, Jeff Dodds, was quoted at the time as saying, we're hopeful that the technology will be life-changing for both Joshua and Florence, helping them to not only watch television and assist with their learning during this difficult period, but also to watch live football when the Premier League resumes. Rewarding the most loyal and passionate Southampton fans is at the heart of our Super Saints campaign. We couldn't have found two more worthy recipients of this technology and we can't wait to see them walk out with the Saints players as mascot and matchable carrier once the Premier League season is back underway. Fingers crossed that will happen at some point in the future for them, Jamie. But just in general, does that reiterate you know, how committed Virgin Media are to, I guess, creating unique and supportive services and opportunities to Saints fans young and old? Yeah, definitely. As we've discussed, we've, we've tried to do as much as we can. This is our now fourth season with the club. Mm. Um, over those years, we've done plenty in terms of um, giving fans a bit more on the match day experience, whether that's a free ice cream, pie or a drink at the ground. We've also had our Super Saints uh, van outside with the likes of Francis Benali, where people can have a photo before the game, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, we've had playable matches where we've invited local teams to play at St. Mary's. We had um, a media versus fans match just last season, which was really nice. Um, and also with the women's team that we've taken on this year, we've, um, we've expanded it to that as well, where we've been great. It's been great to work with them. We've helped break the record attendance this year in terms of getting uh, more people there for the Hampshire Cup game they had with Bournemouth earlier in the season. And um, also the fact that they had a great FA Cup run. It was nice to see them play at St. Mary's for the first time. Mm. So it was a huge shame, actually, with the women's team and the fact that their season had to be curtailed due mm. to um, COVID-19, which was very unfortunate. But we're, we're excited about the next season that brings with the women's team as, as there's just been many more opportunities to help bring more fans to watch them. And also with the men's team, we'll continue doing the things we do. Uh, we know the fans love that kind of stuff as well. Um, but we're always thinking about new things. Like, for example, the things we did with Florence and Joshua mm. um, was new for us. And there's other ways we can do to make um, these experiences um, extra special for certain individuals. No, I think it's been brilliant, some of the work you've done. I know we've had, for example, Shelley Praven on the, uh, earlier this season, the Saints women's captain. She was talking very much about how the club and Virgin Media and people like that were supporting their development, which is brilliant. And just finally on the Vision 8 glasses then, Jamie, um, the stats tell us that there are around 5.1 million visually impaired people in the UK. 43% of those, nearly half, are football fans like Joshua and Florence. So this sort of technology, Jamie, and Virgin Media's involvement in launching it successfully and getting it out there in the market, I guess can be genuinely life-changing for these people. It can be. And the fact is, the problem with this, some of this technology, and it rightly is because it is state-of-the-art equipment, it can be very expensive. Mm. So some of this, this equipment might be available for certain people and certain families. So with this, we just really 
wanted to give these two individuals um, a piece of equipment that they just is going to benefit them day to day lives. As I mentioned, it's not just a case of them watching the Saints play as great as it is. It's just day to day life, whether they want to just wear it while they're at home, especially in the last few months where they've been watching TV, doing their schoolwork at home or just actually going out and about to the local park and having a kick about with their families. Mm. The glasses are really really good for them they're rechargeable so they can wear them up to i think 10 12 hours at a time charge them overnight and they're brilliant um even i had a chance to put them on and you can just see the pure hd uh, vision that they're able to get from them um in the change room where we did the full reveal they were just they were over the moon when we gave it to them yeah well it does sound amazing um you know i've got to say well done to vision aid well done to obviously you guys at virgin media and well done to saints and of course the foundation for making it work obviously most importantly of course we wish joshua and florence all the very best with the technology and uh moving forward following saints right moving on then jamie as we saw during the arsenal game last week the super saints fan wall has also been created and driven by virgin media the past couple of weeks or so since football was confirmed as returning tell us a little bit more about that initiative and virgin media's uh, thinking behind that one so as you'd have seen with the return of the premier league as we're all fully aware that fans are no longer allowed inside stadiums while COVID-19 um, is with us um, and you would have seen a lot of flags um, there was mosaics in a lot of the grounds you even saw I think at Man City there was a, a zoom camera or yeah. TV screen that was placed behind one of the goals so we worked with the club in terms of how we could get involved and make fans part of that so what we both agreed was creating huge mosaics that we were able to place behind both of the goals and one alongside the side of the pitch and hopefully fans would have seen these in the game against uh, Arsenal so we managed to put out a call of action for fans we asked them on social media to tag um, include a photo that they would like to be put forward for inclusion on that mosaic we saw some great pictures we saw families uh, people in their seats at St Mary's which is quite nice we also saw the uh, odd iconic uh, Southampton legend we saw a few fans with Matt Letizia Benali and a few other icons as well so I think with this it was just a great opportunity for fans to feel part of the match day experience still Mm -hmm. unfortunately they can't be inside so this was just a great way of us just making them feel a bit more involved yeah and did i see it was thousands of submissions i think what i saw on the saints website so i mean literally loads and loads of people got involved and sent through as you say a variety of images there was loads of entrance uh, which was which was great to see i think within about an hour of uh, southampton putting it on their main twitter handle we saw hundreds <laughs> um we were, were able to include 1300 um overall but as, as we said thousands entered unfortunately we couldn't include all of them but 1300 is um, a great effort from both us and the club to get them inside the stadium yeah and the good thing about this sort of initiative as well is you know wherever you are in the world you know i, I was having a look at it earlier today there's uh, a good photo of the guys down in australia their their flag and things like that i mean that's the great thing about this sort of initiative jamie it's not just people in southampton with all due respect but it really does open up the opportunity to saints fans globally to play a part in this Definitely. Southampton and the club they are, they've got fans worldwide. So it's a great opportunity for anyone who perhaps can't make that trip from Australia to Southampton for mm. a game um, for obvious reasons. For this, they can be part of Southampton's run-in for the rest of the season at St Mary's. It's a yeah, great opportunity for them. Just finally then, um, you know, it feels to me like the bond between Saints fans and Virgin Media has really grown over the, the past four years or so. Initiatives like the fan will really help. And I know you and the team work really, really hard there and, and really try and do as much as you can to, to support Saints fans and, and get involved and that sort of thing. So it must be delightful for you to sort of see that interaction and see that relationship growing. Yeah, we're really proud of the work we've done for the Saints fans over the past four seasons. And we're so happy that fans have responded to that. We're, we're, we're really um, grateful for the the fact that they turn up with the passion that they do is great that they turn up and speak to um, Virgin Media staff that work on certain match days as well and provide free ice creams, free pies for drinks or um, even get to post the photos with them with the likes of Benali before the game as well. 
Um, and the fact that we mentioned earlier as well, just taking on the women's team as well, has just opened up to more people in the community. The fact that they actually play their games in AFC Totted, it's a whole new community mm. as well there, which go and watch their games on Sunday. So it's great that we've been able to engage with them. It's great that we've been able to get more of them to come watch the women play um, and also just some of the great initiatives we have in terms of working with the community as well and the foundation. Um, we're going to keep going next season. We're already working towards that. Um, regardless of when we know the fans might be allowed back in. But yeah. there's, there's, there's a few interesting ideas that we have to make fans feel uh, special and part of the club still. Brilliant. Well, they're two great initiatives, Jamie, um, getting fans involved in two very unique ways. So well done to you and the Virgin Media guys on another successful season at St Mary's. Give or take lockdown. Uh, have a great summer. And uh, yeah, obviously, as you say, you know, wish you all the very best for further great work in 2020-21. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. A big thanks again to Jamie and Virgin Media for coming on the pod this week and for all the brilliant work they've been doing with Saints this season. Right, next up for Saints is the visit to St Mary's of Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Um, Steve, not ideal opposition when uh, you consider our home form is as ropey as it is, but bearing in mind the Norwich and Watford results, is it a bit of a free hit for Saints now? if you can call it that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is to an extent. I mean, I think it's one of those games where you just kind of want to show that you can compete with one of the top, top teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've we've had half performances against Liverpool um, and we've obviously, obviously beaten Chelsea and Spurs and probably should have had more against United earlier in the season as well. Mm. But actually getting a result against one of the genuine title contenders, um, particularly at home, given obviously our absolutely diabolical home record um, would set us up nicely for both the running and and ahead of next season. I actually think we'll probably go into this with with kind of an away game mindset. We're, I mean, we're, let's face it, we're not we're not going to be taking the game to City, are we, in, no. in any way, shape or form. But ultimately, a lot will depend on the conditions. If it's as hot as it was against Arsenal, then it's going to be painful, I think. Whereas if it's kind of a little bit cooler as it, as it has been today, then that then gives you the gives you the option to be a little bit more energetic, I think, and we're certainly going to need all of that energy. Yeah, Glenn, look, we're obviously bottom of the home form table. Everyone knows that we've lost ten out of our sixteen games. We've scored the second least goals behind Crystal Palace. We've let in the most. Um, when you compare, but other than that, yeah. <laughs> so when you compare it, goals at home this season after the Arsenal game, we've scored sixteen in sixteen games. Um, you know, you look back to the season under Ronald Koeman, we scored 39 in 19 games, so there's a lot of difference there, but I guess the one positive is Claude Puel's um, reign, we uh, only scored 17 in 19, so we've got three games to turn it around. But look, clutching at straws, City played at Chelsea on Thursday night, of course, losing. Um, they're away to Newcastle at time of recording. They've then got Liverpool at home this coming Thursday before travelling to take uh, us on next Sunday. I know they've got some injuries, but we do know that they're a very deep and sort of world-class, talented squad. We'll obviously have a full week to prepare for that game now and be buoyed after the Watford result so for them it'll be three games in 11 days is it a good time to get them or is there no such thing as getting City at a good time no there's no such thing as getting City at a good time I mean when uh, Project Restart was uh, was happening you know Saints had that friendly against Bristol City and everyone else had friendlies against various other sides Manchester City didn't bother yeah they played themselves having a friendly they? because yeah. they played they played themselves because they've got so many good players they decided it was a better test so mm. so no it's not a good time 
to play Man City ever. Um, and I got no sympathy for them or any of the other big clubs whatsoever when they, when they bitch about having to play, you know, four games in 11 days or whatever. I just, yep. just don't care. Don't listen, yeah. to be honest. Well, they're, they're um, allowed, not, they're allowed nine subs and they're allowed to make five substitutions. I mean, how more else could we possibly tailor the yeah. league? Well, that's the point clubs. you were making, wasn't I, I it? Watched, yeah. I watched the Arsenal game when they, Man City beat them 3 0 and the five subs they bought on would walk into any other team. Yeah. With the possible exception of Liverpool, yeah. they they would walk into any other team. It was ridiculous. And the ones they didn't, the one they didn't bring on was Leroy Sane, mm. who Bayern Munich are allegedly going to buy for multi millions this year. So it's two totally different level teams coming up against each other. I'll be interested to see how we approach it because normally when we play uh, recently when we've played City, we've played five four one and we've defended the edge of our own penalty area basically, and you know look for free kicks and and playing on the break and corners and whatnot. We've had limited success. We've lost every time, but it's been relatively close. Um, after after we the uh, the Leicester game, we uh, went up there twice, didn't we? And yeah, we yeah. lost narrowly, narrowly both times simply by defending the edge of our box. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether we whether we do that again or whether we'll try and find a way that might unlock the problems that we have at home. I mean, I would be tempted to go for a sort of you know four four one one with. Uh, you know, someone like Buffal or Redmond playing as playing as a number ten off of one striker. Maybe be tempted to try that because it seems to me that the formation we play and the way we play at home just simply doesn't work. So it it may be worth using this game for that. But having said that, as you mentioned, we're not going to have much of the ball. No. It, it's going to be about discipline. Um, so we may well camp on the edge of our own penalty area again. But I think it's a free hit, and and any any way Ralph decides to go about it, yeah, I don't think anyone can sort of question it really, because it, it's just it's just two different, completely different level teams out there. Yeah, Steve, obviously they're a world class squad, we know that, um, but I do like to try and find positives. So they've already lost eight games this season, Man City. Last season they let in 23 Premier League goals in the entire season. They've already let in 10 more than that pre Liverpool. Um, of course, they lost Vincent Company in the summer and didn't necessarily sign anyone to really replace him. And of course, they've also missed Laporte for quite a long this season, who a very very you know decent defender as well. So being a positive and optimistic point of view, is that positive for Saints that potentially there will be opportunities there to score? Of course, we scored against them in both fixtures so far this season. Oh, their defence is absolutely there to be got at. Um, it's just the other <laughs> Yeah, the problem is getting the ball in order to be able to um, mount any challenge on them. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, they've, they've lost as many games as Arsenal this season in the league, which is absolutely extraordinary when you think how much of an absolute shambles Arsenal have been for them for the vast majority of it. Mm. Um, they're vulnerable at the back, but they get away with that vulnerability against most teams because they simply don't let you get anywhere near their box mm. um, in any sort of real point of danger. I mean, as soon as you turn the ball over, someone's someone's fouling someone. There's a tactical foul coming in and, and referees are still, despite the fact that they've been watching this for three, four years now, are still absolutely none the wiser to actually putting any sort of stop to it by issuing um, issuing the cards for repeated repeated offences. They still haven't caught up with N'Golo Kante at Chelsea, and he's been doing it for five years. No. You know, 25 fouls a game, but they're all sort of little ones that never seem to get um, never seem to get punished. Well, the, well, the, the big the big one against us was always Moussa Dembele for Spurs. 
there was that there was that one game. I think the the last time that Dembele played against us for um, for Spurs at St Mary's, I think it was the it was the game where we came from one nil down and one two one. So that had been last season, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think he made about seven fouls in the first half. Um, and obviously he didn't get booked until like the 87th minute or something ridiculous. Um, Having said that, Saints, Saints do that quite a lot these oh, days. We, <laughs> we do, but um, but we seem to we seem to pick up more bookings than than yeah, other teams right. for it. Yeah, um, it's a legitimate tactic as long as it's policed properly and fairly. Yeah, if you're going to say right, you get two, um, and then and then we're starting starting to hand out cards. Fine, do the same for everybody. It's not oh Southampton get two sort of free uh, free passes, but then we're booking every single every single foul. Um, but the team, the big team that they're playing against, gets seven. Yeah, that's not the way this this stuff should work. It's it's ridiculous, and there's got to be there's got to be a way to even to kind of make make it fairer. I mean the whole uh, the idea with VAR is that it evens out some of the decisions, which it has done. We're in terms of the big decisions are more or less being correct eventually, even if it's after the after the intervention of the of the video ref. But the video ref doesn't get involved in the needless 50-50 nonsense in, in the centre circle, which is the frustrating stuff that actually does tend to decide games. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting, obviously, when Shea Adams got taken out by Craig Dawson. You know, as the Sky commentator said, he was already on a yellow card, and that potentially was a, a yellow yeah. card offence, wasn't it? Def- but um, Yeah, totally, totally. So just lastly then, Glenn, Saints will be buoyed, hopefully, by the return of Misa Gineppo from suspension. Um, Jack Stevens will also be back. I've done a quick search of the FA suspension site. I'm pretty sure, as Steve said, it was just a one-game ban because of genuine attempt for the ball, Steve, or something to do with the rules now, isn't it? Well, the denial of goal scoring opportunity is only a one match ban anyway. It's not. It's it's only serious foul play that's three matches. Perfect. All right. So that's good. Um. So alongside them, obviously we don't know about Booth foul, and of course Hoiber missed the Watford uh, game as well, Glenn. But does it potentially, you know, give Ralph a few more options now? We spoke about, and I, I saw you earlier, sort of saying about trying to give maybe some of the fringe players a few games as well. So he's now looking again at having a potential squad of sort of 16 to 18 that he can choose from. Um, yeah, it gives them an opportunity. I think Gineppo will probably be a useful option uh, for this game because the only way we're going to score is if we play a lot quicker yeah. when we win the ball. Um, we, we Against Arsenal, we were very, very slow. And that's um, what and we, we do let... away from home, which is yeah. why we got the results yeah, we and, I, and, and against Arsenal, we sort of crab across the midfield. And by the time anyone's looking to pass it into this mythical red zone that Ralph keeps going on about at the edge of the box... The other team have got four players in there, mm. you know, and, and we're, we're trying to play through two banks of four or sometimes, you know, nine players. It's just we're too slow. So a player like Gineppo could make a huge difference if if we, you know, if we decide to uh, if we decide to use him. So, yeah, it, it can only be it can only be a good thing to have him available. He, he, he's a lively one and he, he sets the tone. Um, he's unpredictable. I'm not sure. Yeah, he is. I'm not I'm not sure about the. the what did I read on Twitter? He's he's the hype man now. I don't know what that is. Perhaps I'm too old. But, yeah, me uh, neither. So, I, yeah. I really care less. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Cut that bit out. But um, but you know he, he's a guy that his enthusiasm rubs off on people. So yeah. you know why not chuck him in? You'd you'd rather have him in there being lively than the you know I don't I don't wish to slag him off. But like Oberfemi against Arsenal barely moved. You want someone with a bit with a bit of life. And the the more life we've got in the team and the more pace we play with. 
um, the better chance we've got of getting anything from C. Totally. I'm definitely going to leave it in there because hopefully someone will tell you and me what the hype man means. So uh, you, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, cool, right? Let's do some predictions. So um, obviously we didn't do a pod before Watford. Um, none of us got the score right against Arsenal, but uh, for Watford away, Glenn went for Saints to win 2-1. So well done, Glenn. You get a point for that. Uh, I, of course, in true style, went for Watford to win 2-0 and Steve went for a one-all draw. So neither Steve or myself got anything. So the current prediction table is Glenn on 22 two points myself on 17 and Steve on 15 so it's almost you're sort of taking there Glenn so in terms of the Man City game let's put you on the spot put your, the, the pressure on you straight away Glenn what do you reckon uh, 2-1 defeat 2-1 defeat cool alright what about you Steve I think we we might I mean there's a possibility that we end up going through this final end of the season sort of in a really sort of flip-flop bin- well sort of binary sort of scenario win one lose one I mean yeah. we, we've not drawn many games all season have we and I think I think ultimately City will will comfortably have too much for us because ultimately they're a, they're a very very good team um, despite still being what 20 odd points behind they are comfortably the second best team in the league so I still think we'll probably get done fairly comfortably 3-1 yeah I've gone for that as well, Steve, actually, 3-1. Uh, it did change after the Watford game from 3-0, so... <laughs> uh, but uh, I uh, will definitely be making Kevin De Bruyne my uh, fantasy captain as well. But I think the thing is, you know, there's still a very, very good side in attacking third. We're, you know, shaky defensively. We're shaky at home. So, it, uh, you know, I think even if we have a really, really good game, their quality potentially will still sh- show through. But as we said, potentially a free hit for Saints and they can go out there, enjoy it and give them a good game. Thanks as always for listening to this week's TSP. We won't have a pod next weekend, I'm afraid, uh, given Saints late Sunday kickoff versus the turnaround time, although maybe that'll be a blessing in disguise. But instead, we'll catch up with you again after Saints have played Everton and ahead of the Manchester United game. So until then, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Glenn and Steve for their time and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.